Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And here we unpack how the church as the body of Christ and institution can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice. This is actually part two of a two-part conversation with Carol and Jared. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go back and do so now. So Carol, to th- there it is in Matthew and you're still like, well, Jared, perfection still sounds like we're dealing with this, like establishing a hierarchy, using the powers of shame um, uh, to hold an identity together. Just to be really explicit, if we jump into Luke 6, 36, Luke's gospel puts it different to Matthew's gospel in the same teachings on how does God love? Apparently God loves in such ways where there aren't special weather reports for Christians. Uh, It is um, rain and thunderstorms uh, for those who aren't sanctified, but for those who know and love the Lord, you can expect sunshine and warm weather. No, Mm. actually. I remember I wrote, I wrote from, from the last time we had this conversation, he said, Holiness leaves no one. Holiness is the perfection of the sun and rain falling on everyone. I wanted us to talk about that because I thought that was very beautiful. But this is where Jesus, like, this is everything Jesus embodies. Mm. Um, The goodness of the non-discrimination of God's good creation in sun falling on everyone, rain falling on everyone, just and unjust, righteous and unrighteous, this is how Jesus insists the one he calls Abba loves Jesus's image of God. Jesus's understanding of holiness is not exclusion, but an embrace, a radical embrace that is more powerful than the politics of purity. And it's the politics of compassion. So in um, Luke six thirty six, it doesn't read um, uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's like Luke's gospel doesn't leave it open for you to know that we're talking about holiness, Jesus's subversion of holiness and it being perfect love. Um, the word love isn't mentioned in Matthew 5, um, 48, but it is implied. Just read the rest of that whole section. The whole thing is about enemy love, what it is to love, how God loves. If you greet those who greet you, like, what do you freaking do? If you say g'day to those that say g'day to you, how's that any different to anybody else? Like, you know, um, people running drug cartels, they love their children too. Um, uh, people whose like um, business is like the exploitation of creation uh, for cost benefit for the few at the cost of all, they too greet their friends. What good is that? What Luke 6.36 makes explicit is Jesus's agenda around how Jesus subverts holiness and how his whole ministry is formed in a subversive holiness that is the confrontation of compassion. For you, Carol, your version of the Bible that you have in front of you in terms of Luke 36, what what do you have? What what word do they use in, in your... Just give me a minute, Ma. 
Luke 36. I like the... Wait, Luke 36? Six, uh, Luke 6, 36. Oh. I'm a message girl, so that's what the one I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for. <laughs> am, I, am I Christian enough <laughs> when, with the message? God bless you, Jean Peterson. What a <laughs> gift he was. Yes. Um, I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Kind. That's beautiful. Thank yes. you, Eugene Peterson. Um, be, be kind as God is kind. Um, most uh, translations will have be merciful yeah. as your heavenly father is merciful. But in English, mercy often sounds like a power play, like there's somebody who's subordinate and yeah. uh, like the, the police officer who lets you off a parking ticket or something that, oh, they were merciful. Um, but that's not the Jewish sense of um uh, the word that's used there. Um, I mean, mercy is such a beautiful word if it's returned to compassion. Um, there's a sense in the Hebrew that the, the plural noun um, that is compassion, the singular um, noun actually means womb. There is this sense that um, what one of my big influences, theologian Walter Wink talks about um, uh God is a tenderness that aches uh, for the uninvited and the unloved. Mm. Um, mercy, compassion is Jesus's vision of holiness. Um, compassion um, from the Latin uh, com, meaning with, as in camaraderie um, mm. and communion, um, it's with. And passion, um, where we talk about, you know, the passion of the Christ um, uh, in traditional Catholic Western theology. Uh, it, it's the, the feeling, the suffering, um, what it is to feel even to the point of um, sharing in the pain of someone else. So compassion is what it is to come alongside to such a way that we empathetically and imaginatively identify with another. Um, compassion is both a feeling, but importantly in the Jewish imagination, it's also a way of being. Yes, it's something we feel. It's a radical affirmation of um, the emotions. Like Jesus was moved with compassion. Um, yeah. It felt it in the bowels, which again, in the Greek is, um, they're like, well, the Hebrew word um, is womb. Men don't have womb. What's the equivalent for men? And we get this strange sense of like um, uh, in the loins, in the bowels, that's where, it can, but it's, it's a bodily reality that becomes a way of being. And just like for the Pharisees, how scapegoating purity, or just like the counter violence of the zealots, these, this was their binding. It was their glue. So Jesus is saying that this, this, this feeling this empathy is a way of being and binding that actually welcomes God's future 
this is the holiness that we're invited into. So there's the spoilers. There, there's where we're going. Mm. But maybe we do the the Essenes and yeah. the Sadducees and Herodians. We'll do those um, three groups as two groups because um, the politics of the Herodians and the Sadducees are actually parallel. So maybe we'll, we'll go we'll go there as we like actually wrap up these options. Because Carol, I'm convinced unless we understand the hope, the how and the how of these different groups, we won't understand their vision of holiness and how Jesus is an alternative to it. Instead, what we will do is we will add Jesus-y stories and Bible verses and um, call Christ-like things that actually Jesus was an alternative to. Jesus is critiquing these things. And instead, often what we do is we have um, Christians... Um, versions of the same scapegoating purity, the same counter-violence, and for um, the Herodians and Sadducees, the same accommodating violence. So Herodians were so named because um, their boy, who they looked to for hope, who was their guide, their mascot, who they thought was the bee's knees and the ant's pants, was who? Herod. Herod. So here you have um, this dude who's established by Rome to be a puppet Jewish king um, to as an attempt to keep people happy. And the Herodians, unlike the hope of the Pharisees and the Zealots, they don't hope for bodily resurrection. They don't hope for a this world. When it, when it comes to, um, you know, what happens um, uh, post-mortem, their hope wasn't like... A, a resting in peace until the final resurrection when there is a return and the world is made right and we get to share in it. Um, they're like, mm, I don't know, interesting existential philosophical question, but um, let's, let's just kind of keep the purity code stuff. Um, we'll do the moral stuff as well, but we'll also be on the payroll of Herod and the Sadducees are the same. Their hope is not that God will come and transform the world. Their hope is that, Look, we've got to be realistic. This whole thing that we've done, it's over. We, we you know, you can imagine them going, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. Our identity, our identity must change. So yeah. look, to be Irish now is not to speak Irish. Um, and it's certainly not to have agency and self-rule. It's instead, it's to see ourselves as part of the cosmopolitan reality that is the British empire. And we have something to bring, you know, we, we have special dishes and like, we have like, um, but um, the, the British empires, you know, Roman empire is the best thing that's got, we've got going. And so what they do is they take. Interest at heart. They exactly. know what they're doing. They have, yeah, man, that, that, that that hits a nerve though, because that's that's what's happening right now with Americanization of the world, with all of that, with um, the British Empire being that we are all looking to work to being good British people, you know, the our psyche, especially the people who are colonized by Britain, is that we are all working towards being, and then we bring our cultures and they, they, they get, they influence the British in, I don't know what way. And I have nothing to say about the French because the French killed everybody whom they, and those, the French just finished everyone. So, and the Belgian. This is the fascinating thing that we're starting to actually see. We think uh, talk of holiness in Jesus's context, 
Well, what's that got to do with today? It's got everything to do with today. If we break down these enlightenment categories of religion is something that's to do with our inner life or the afterlife, and politics is to do with like how the world is arranged. Instead, for um, the Jewish options that are on offer at the time, be it the Pharisees, the Zealots, the Essenes, or the um, Herodians and the Sadducees, this is all about different political options and what it is to actually maintain an identity and not lose yourself. And so the Herodians and the Sadducees, they're like, no, we don't believe in the resurrection, this hope that the world be transformed. We've just got to get on the payroll, get a good job, um, realize that, um, you know, it's almost Monty Python-esque. What have the Romans ever done for us? Well, there's the aqueducts and there's, um, you know, the roads. There's the, like, you know, the Roman Empire is, it's, it's got some stuff to offer. And if you can become a respectable Roman, if you can yeah. learn to speak with a Roman accent, if you can code switch so um, Romanese becomes, um, hey, in private, you can still do your nice little quaint cultural things, you know, have your holidays. They've given us a king. That's a pretty good deal. Herod is our king. So now we've got we've a got a face king. that looks like ours yes. in a position, and this is how we're going to survive. So they, they want to make a buck. They want to see that their kids have a future. Mm. Um, they're not interested in um, uh, like what they would see is, um, uh, you know, um, ridiculous suicide or murderous rage of um, the zealots that they see as a faithful um, resistance to um, an imperial occupying force. Um, the Pharisees are like, oh, they're a bit much, aren't they? Can't they just, you know, so the Herodians strangely have a more liberal attitude, um, not in terms of there's a sense of um, classism and we're better than because we're still um, keeping the religious laws, but the religious laws need to be uh, adapted and become suitable that they fit in with, um, you know, the, the Roman, Rome is where it's at. Rome is the future. This is the biggest empire and there's a way for us to get a job. Why would we mess it with that? Man. And you know what, Jared, that makes me think is that the work of Rome is to ensure that, like, is to get Herodians and to get at the core of it is to, to get people who, are assimilating enough so that then they don't have to do the dirty work. Yeah. And today yeah. we have right-wing Herodians and left-wing Herodians. Yes. Like um, there, there is, um, th this is the politics of compromise and uh, accommodation um, uh, to Roman violence and Roman domination. And it's seen as realistic. It's seen as real politic. Um, yeah. It's seen as respectable. Um, and it's seen as a survival tactic. And again, to, to kind of place it like that so people can actually go, oh, my goodness, this isn't actually that different to the elements of today. Um, so you could almost, and when I run workshops on these things, instead of just <laughs> talk at people with it, we actually um, we create a physical space and we get people to role play from these different, and we read passages of scripture mm -hmm. and people consider what Jesus is saying um, and how would these different groups, and we get people to step into the politics of holiness that the Pharisees hold and respond to Jesus saying something or Jesus doing something, then the Zealots, uh, then the Herodians and the Sadducees, and then the Essenes. But you can start to see that um, these considerations of holiness are, are not abstract. 
they're actually everything. Oh, Jared, you know what? Like the next inverse conference, you're gonna do this for us. Like we, are, you, you already have a session <laughs> for us to do this thing. <laughs> Oh, this stuff I've, I've nearly been doing for 15 years now, the, these kind of workshops on contextualizing it. So that'll be fun. I, I can just, um, you know, do that with my eyes closed. Um, the Essene, should we finally do that popular option? Um, so the Essene's vision of holiness um, shares a lot in terms of the Pharisees. The reason why we don't see the Essenes mentioned uh, and um most scholars think that the Qumran communities where we found the Dead Sea Scrolls um, in the last century are an example of uh, the Essenes. But um, partly why this group isn't seen in the Gospels is because their, um, their hope is also for resurrection, that the world will be transformed. And if nothing else, maybe from this podcast, people will take away, oh, Every Jewish person thought that resurrection, including the early Christians, was about the world being transformed, not evacuated. So if nothing else, that, that's the big takeaway. Um, but their how was to actually pull out of society, um, find some space in the desert that the Romans couldn't mess with, um, say their prayers, um, uh, chant their psalms, um, and wait for God to come and judge and destroy uh, all of reality. That's the Essenes. So... Um, their, their holiness was let's create a holy huddle. Um, let's uh, not be uh, associated with any of them. We will be the only faithful people, but people don't really see us. Um, people like, you know, maybe occasionally somebody comes, comes down to trade something that's needed or something like that. So people know of that. And we wouldn't have records of um, these scenes other than they were like such excellent translators because they took the scriptures so seriously. And so we have these record of this um, Jewish political option at the time, um, which was, so if the, again, the Pharisees, um, their how is scapegoating violent purity. If the zealots is the counter violence um, to Roman imperialism, if the Herodian and Sadducees is accommodating violence with um, imperialism. Um, the Essenes is the um, violence of avoidance. It's my hands are clean. My heart is clean. I don't want anything to do with the mess of the, like how the world is currently. And we're just going to be a holy huddle and, and, and do our um, uh, thing. And then God will come and judge everybody else. So still the hope for everyone else is destruction. They just don't want to do it themselves. So they're like, oh, no, we're, we're not violent. We're just going to allow our vision of God to be violent. But again, Carol, all these questions is, um, and I don't know why, but, you know, in the Western um, church, if you use Latin, people take you seriously. But the, these are questions of like um, uh, the Imago Dei, the, the image of God how we see that in others. If the image we look for of God is a holiness um, uh, that is um, constantly seeking good over bad, uh, draws um, distinctions between women and men, black and white, inside and out, this kind of purity code, um, you are going to relate to people Very differently. Yeah, you know. We exactly. Like, um, like if, if, um, imitatio day, the what it is to imitate God. If your vision of God is a God who is wholly other, 
is absent has got nothing to do with any of this because despises it. So it's going to take it out on somebody else because um, uh, God needs protection from sin until God deals with it, which is how a lot of these groups, it's like, don't associate with those people. They're contagious. You will, you will catch sin and um, you'll catch uncleanliness. You'll catch impurity from them um, because it, it is those realities which are contagious. Mm. In the midst of that, you yeah. have Jesus whose holiness is um, feeling with others, mm. pathos alongside others, calm passion, sharing in the pain of others. And Jesus' whole ministry, Jesus touches those who are impure because Jesus thinks holiness is the mercy that is mightier than any of the purity codes. And so Jesus' ministry is constantly overturning. It's sin that needs protection from God, not the other way around. There's something about the holiness of Jesus that, um, you know, he, he goes to like um, the demoniac, not far from a herd of pigs. What's Jesus doing there? Found in Roman territory. What's Jesus doing there with somebody who was mentally unwell and cutting themselves found amongst the dead in a graveyard? All yeah. those things are ritually unclean. And Jesus yeah. shows up with a holiness, which is stronger than that impurity and makes well, makes right, heals, reforms, returns, restores. This is the holiness of Jesus that is more powerful than these kind of purity codes, but people hate it. Yeah. But when you understand the, the politics of what they hate it, you understand yeah. what's going on because um, again, um, domination of hierarchies where shame is weaponized um, uh, as a tool to control others, to be a social glue, to hold people together, which you understand why you don't want to lose your identity. It yeah. makes a VIP out of some yeah. and a very unimportant of others. And if mm. you have a VIP room where everybody's invited or That's worse. That's not VIP. <laughs> yeah, it's not VIP. Like, it's just B. It's, yeah, it, it's the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son going, what are you doing? Why yeah. a party for them? How come it's when Jesus talks about in Matthew 520, um, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. And some people are like, see, Jesus um, loves the purity codes and he wants us to be even more pure than we are were before. No, Jesus mm. subverts and transforms with a confrontational compassion and the righteousness, which exceeds the Pharisees is the righteousness, not of exclusion, but of embrace of mm. a contagious transformative love of a mercy that will get itself crucified yet trust in resurrection. Mm. Uh, are we starting to feel like how central this holiness yeah. stuff is? But, um, I want to say something that I wrote from the, and this is why we've had to have this long um, conversation, and I'm sure this will be a two-part episode because of the depth of it. But this is so liberating for me, and I think for the people who are here and the people who listen to it. And I'm so glad we are recording this. Um, you, you um, I'd written down uh, that you'd said holiness is contagious, not sin. And then there was, we had something about 
Jesus's ministry eats sin. Uh, could you speak about that, that it eats sin? And then uh, we had said unholiness and unrighteousness cuts people off and not holiness and righteousness. Yeah, and this is what I think the brilliance of Paul, if if we get this right about Jesus, we can read Paul in ways that are truly liberating. Uh, instead of thinking that um, we start with Paul and then we fit Jesus into our theories of whether it be uh, atonement or eschatology or um, even holiness, that and so we systematize and go, Jesus is the means for this instead of no, 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 Jesus is actually the message, <laughs> Jesus is the gospel. That's why the gospels are called the gospel, uh, because it's the gospel, it's the story of Jesus, um, who Jesus is that is the good news. And so, suddenly, we can hear like in Romans 14 17, when um, the apostle Paul talks about that. Um, the kingdom of God, and pay attention when Paul uses the language of kingdom of God, because his favorite language for the same reality is actually to talk about the Messiah and the messianic age, Christ, what it is to be in Christos, which is to talk about the age that God um, is bringing, the messianic age, the resurrection of the dead and the world being set right. Um, uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. There you go. There's a purity code stuff. There's the stuff that we use as excuses to exclude others. And what does Paul go on to say that it is though, but of justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit or take um, Galatians 5, 6 in light of this conversation. Um, when holiness is defined as the compassion we see in Jesus, which is stronger than death, instead of death being something we need to separate ourselves from, uh, something we need to run from, like a, a teenager who's been able to save enough money with their multiple um, jobs outside of school and hard work and helping um, uh, distant family members and whatever else that they can buy that new pair of like white air force Nike shoes. And what they want is just to keep them clean. Like it, they've got to keep their shoes clean. So many of these options relate to holiness. Like it was that pair of Nike that they've just got to keep clean instead of it being like bleach which is going to affect the wash you put put it in the wash and everything's gonna like turn out because bleach is just more powerful than all that others i'm looking for metaphors here where we can actually understand that it's the compassion of jesus which is the bleach mm. that transforms society um for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count What's circumcision about? All those embarrassing moments where we invite our mates um, to church for the first time and there's a, a Bible passage being read about circumcision and you're like, stay with this. This is going to get less awkward. Like, like um, We just don't talk about uh, penises in the church, I promise. <laughs> but it's, it's this purity code stuff. It's yeah. how do we get our distinctives right? What is the glue that holds us together? What are the particular customs that mean we're in, they're out, and we can maintain our identity? Paul is now saying that in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision. So these um, particular customs count, but what counts is faith expressing itself through love. Mm. The thing yeah. that holds the glue that holds a people who welcome God's future together is sharing in the compassion of Christ. God mm. is 
is Emmanuel in Jesus, God with us. And we are to be holy as God is love. Yeah. Mm. You know, Jared, as you're saying this, I and the illustration of the kid with uh, like very clean white sneaker uh, shoes is that the kid will go nowhere because... <laughs> just Instagram. Hey friends, yeah. look at my, yeah. Yeah. And so, and this is what we've done with our faith and the church is that we go nowhere because we yeah. want to be clean. We're terrified yeah. because we're, yeah. we're still, we're still working on Jesus has not saved our understanding of holiness. Yes. But we want to tell people about Jesus, but we won't come and mix it with them because we fear we'll be contaminated. And on the left and the right, these politics of contamination dominate so many conversations. Um, and it's again, it's different hierarchies um, that use shame as a means of organizing and controlling so people can hold on to a vision of a world made right. While Jesus is that vision in action, every time Jesus eats, it, it is like um, Norman Perrin puts it, the table fellowship with sinners um, is a central feature of Jesus's ministry. Marcus Borg talks about um, who Jesus eats with finally gets him crucified. If you mess with the politics of purity, you will find yourself facing persecution. And Jesus says, you're blessed. Yeah. But what we have is people with persecution complexes who think because what Jesus is actually dismantling is being called out in the way that they organize. They're like, oh, I'm being persecuted. No, you're being called into this egalitarian dream that is a reality in the resurrection of Jesus. So that, hey, it's an VIP room where those who have been left out last get in first but everybody's welcome but does yeah. the older son want to come to a party where those who have no purity are also invited in and sing is a swahili word meaning foundation our name and mandate comes from psalms 89 14 we host engaging conversations on faith social justice and advocacy across all our social media platforms we also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website, www.msingitrust.org, follow us on all our social media handles at msingitrust, or email us on info at msingitrust.org. And you think, and you see, Jared, I sort of understand the older son because- totally. Yeah, because if I have spent all of my life sacrificing for this, if <laughs> I have spent all of my life doing, I've actually spent my life slaving away in my father's Getting home. it right. Yes. I've, I've, the whole time I've worked yes. to get it right. They got it wrong? Yes. And then they you, get in? Yes. I'm like, no, they need, and this is the thing is that we need, there's a human need to be in yeah. because of what you have done. And yes. then Jesus like, well, well, and, children, 
<laughs> Carol, this is this is exa- there. There is these corresponding themes that weave themselves through the Jewish scriptures of um, what it is um, uh, like in terms of um, purity and compassion and how they fit together. Jesus doesn't do away with that dialectic, but actually transfigures it, transforms it, transmutes it. Compassion is the holiness we're called to. It's how God is. Um, transcendentally relatedness. It's how, it's what holds everything together. It's what Moses was being called into in the burning bush. Um, Mm -hmm. The liberation we're seeking is not a purity from those who are oppressors, but one in which Mm -hmm. everybody is freed from oppression, including oppressors. And when we counter oppressors with oppression, we find ourselves with situations where um, we start to mimic that which we hate and we become the monster we wish to slay to quote Frederick Nietzsche. Um, but Carol, what you were saying, it's, it's like, uh, I've dedicated my life to like taking this so seriously that I want integrity in my spice rack. I go to my spice rack and I take like my dill and my mint and my cumin and I've tied them as well. And Jesus goes, great that you seek this kind of integrity great that you want like um like holiness to affect every part of life but in doing so you've actually neglected and exacerbated the weighty matters of the law like justice and mercy Mm. and faithfulness according to jesus what Mm. torah is about is the healing justice of god and the meddling mercy of god and a faithfulness to it. Mm. This is Jesus's problem with the Pharisee. And I mean, we miss some of this. Um, l- let me give you, because um, I literally, I think it's on every page, but there's, there's things that we heard here say, and we miss it. Um, Luke 11, 44, again, one of those passages where Jesus got like this sick burn, but it's missed on us completely because we, we miss what's um, going on. Where am I? Uh 11, 44, look at this. Woe to you because you are like unmarked grave, graves which people walk over without knowing it. Jesus is talking to the people who are serious about holiness, who are serious about purity, and is saying you're like an unmarked grave. And we're like, uh, okay, so they're dead and they don't know it or something. No, the whole thing of unmarked graves is that religious authorities make people unclean. Like if you're walking through a gravesite, because the whole temple system is set up that God is something separate from death. And so you don't want to be associated with death. And so you avoid death at, by any means necessary. And in doing so, you actually dance with death in ways that it has power over you and you make people unclean with your exclusion. You Carol, even avoid living actually totally. by, yeah, by doing yeah. all of those things. Cause I, I, I can sense it in like, in our structures, in the way we live, in the way we react and respond to the world, in the way we live in the world is that we don't live. Yes. And what is central in that world to the geography of the purity map that everybody has in their imagination, including Jesus, and that's why he went there as a child, is the temple. And the temple protects 
the Shekinah glory of God or where the Shekinah glory of God was supposed to be uh, in like earlier renditions of the same thing um, from the profane, um, from that which is common, not holy, from that which is unclean, not clean. Carol, when, when Jesus goes to the full depth of exclusion, including that hill outside of Jerusalem and suffers the, the most shameful cursed death to die upon a tree, what does God do in the temple? What happens to the curtain? Separation, yeah. God tears it from the top down. Yeah. Here, is, here is the um, holy flooding the earth flooding the profane apparently the holiness of god is a compassion that goes to such depths that that which is sought to contain and protect holiness from everything actually everything needs protection from the holy fire of compassion that is god here's the strange like you read ezekiel 22 and um, Ezekiel twenty two twenty six is a direct condemnation of Jesus's ministry. If you want to see really clearly how this is being like a wrestle between different traditions, um, it, it's uh, saying that um, you make what is holy common, you make what is clean unclean, um, you profane the name of God. This is the claim about Jesus that he is blaspheming, that that he is making something awful of the name of God because his holiness is inclusion not exclusion it's mm. compassion um not the cruelty of rejection and yeah. um but you also have in ezekiel uh, like in ezekiel 47 uh, the prophecy of that from the temple will flow a river of fresh water that even the de dead sea will come alive and there will be like fish and wildlife and like th this place which is known for its saltiness again salt um, uh, used for purity, um, uh, like used for preserving, that it'll come alive with life. This is the constant wrestle which we see in script. I mean, Isaiah 6 and uh, Isaiah's vision, here's coal that comes and touches the, the lips, unclean lips, but it's the holiness of God that actually cleans up and becomes infectious. Jesus's table ministry, who Jesus eating with is enacting an age of forgiveness saying it's underway um it, it's a constant parable of the world that god dreams of and everybody's invited into and yeah. it will upset people once we put it in the context of what's going on and i find it difficult to turn to any story in the gospels and not see yeah. jesus's politics of holiness as compassion messing with every the good samaritan we're like, oh, yes, it's about like we should be nice to people and help out. No, mm -hmm. it, it's about what are the cultural binding forces that mean we avoid some people mm. instead of actually see the dignity in those people? Mm. Oh, Jared, I think I keep thinking if, if we had a... Uh, I, mean, I see why it's important for us not to grasp holiness in this way. Hmm. I see why holiness has become a burden to many of us. I see, but also I want us to talk about the 
who holy who, who who holiness is given to like who is the who is the one that bears holiness and so when when we see especially our faith leaders who do not understand holiness and then they come hmm. into a space and then they mess up which then messes with our own faith what do you say about that because a lot of a lot of times and we see it now a lot of our faith leaders miss it as we as we miss it but because yeah. of how we've understood what holiness is we also don't it breaks us it breaks our relationship <laughs> yeah yeah it's um again i'm so aware to go back to our metaphor of a vip room where everybody's invited particularly those who have been excluded it's that's very hard to monetize and um those of us who are called to serve communities part of um the the pressure to um have these codes and provide stability for people um like there is something in the nature of discipleship, which is very destabilizing because it's about, there's, there's no place to stand still. We've got to follow Jesus and he's always on the move and he's always going to all the places that um, are bad for our reputation and we want to avoid. Um, and that will destabilize and it's hard to build something. Um, but the, the call for, um, uh, you know, Matthew, the tax collector and um, J- Judas, the zealot is the same. It's for them to come and follow Jesus. Um, and we follow in a holiness, which um, parties with the wrong people is found on the wrong side of town, spends time with, or if, if pastors don't find themselves being questioned about who they're hanging out with, and I'm not talking about like the sycophantic celebrity worship leaders who want to come alongside sexual predator presidents and have their photos and guitars signed. I'm not talking about, oh, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, so I'm going to hang out with really powerful CEOs, multinational corporations that do awful things in their private life and their public policies, uh, but that's okay because I want to be an influence. I'm not talking about... What that totally ignores is the context of who Jesus is with. Mm. Jesus is with um, those who are excluded on the bottom, uh, not those whom um, a a righteous minority want to exclude because they're at the top. Um, This this is not about being an influencer. This is about um, dying to all influence and Mm. joining this like VIP of God's future where everybody's invited and you find yourself alongside the strangest of peoples but you find that it's not what you digest that makes you unclean it's actually what you vomit up (laughs) yeah (laughs) to to paraphrase our lord (laughs) yes jared jesus at the bottom has no money though (laughs) (laughs) but this is this is it right and if we're able to open up these stories and, mm. and start to ask, okay, so if um, God is um, this feeling of withness um, that we name as compassion, if God is this mercy, which is not a power play, um, but is an um, unfailing, like um, unstoppable 
love that though crucifiable always resurrects, if that's what we're called to and to trust the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, where will the church find itself? What will we be doing? Um, who will we be amongst? Um, uh, what is it that we will fear? Um, we, who we exclude, and this is why I think um, an almost follow-up conversations, uh, like hopefully what I've um, provided a bit, Carol, is a lens to see that this is on every page. This is like central to, and then we can ask questions of, okay, things like, um, the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table, um, the Lord's supper, how we do that. Does it look like Jesus's mm-hmm. banquets? Does it look like who Jesus yeah. dines with? Um, do people experience a holiness of compassion where people don't need to play games and hide themselves, but can come and freely confess um, knowing that they're amongst a, a whole group of other people. And if anyone is sinners, it's all of us or it's none of us but it can't be some group that we like weaponize scapegoating against. And then we start to share in this party that looks like the future of God's world where everybody's invited as equals. One of the biggest threats to um, those of us who um, find ourselves serving um, churches, and I've only done it for two years on a paid role, but it was enough to know and face those temptations. Um, you will find that you want to mute yourself at certain mm. points to draw a crowd um, and um, to fit in with their inside, outside um, desires for certainty and stability that all hu- humans face um, and need. And Jesus meets them um, in him as we move with him. Mm. Um, as someone put it um, to me, uh, a school has asked me to consult with them, um, not tertiary level this is um uh, primary and secondary school um elementary and high school um and i put forward they're they're asking me to consult around uh, religious education um uh for students and i put forward a a proposal and uh, the um headmaster the principal's response was well this is both exciting and terrifying (laughs) (laughs) and the the reason why it's exciting and terrifying is that it was a proposal that gives away coercive kind of here's what you need to sign up to and instead mm. opens up spaces where they can explore and explore mm. who Jesus is and, and what that means. I think that's also true of most churches as well. Yeah. Jared, um, I, I, I want to, I don't know if there's something that you wanted to say that you've not said, but I, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to ask the question about anarchy and control because um one of the things that um it's always the question of how then shall we live because what we are talking about feels like there is absolutely no no guidelines there's everything will go to hell uh there will everyone will show up however they want like and we will have no say uh what what what's what about structure what about like what does it call for us then with this view of holiness to live personally and institutionally and then also communally yeah it's um and again it's fascinating seeing the the pharisees again this large-scale movement um that desires justice and liberation from oppression and 
um, is form around not losing their identity, all of which are good things, right? Like, again, to say that the Pharisees um, have so much going for them that many Christians today would move in a positive direction if they became more like the Pharisees um, uh, than their, their current spirituality. But um, you, you look at um, uh, those who leaders who come to Jesus at night and, and they're like, so like, how can you be born again? And we think he's like being literal instead of actually going, no, like you're saying that God is birthing a whole new world. Um, that the Messiah has come not to condemn, but to, to liberate. Um, and uh, we're to be born anew into this birthing that God is doing. Um, like, like it sounds, I love that. It sounds like anarchy. And to remember that anarchy is actually like a, um, a philosophical school in the continental tradition that grew out of socialism that has a critique of all forms of power, but is not about no rule, um, but instead no rulers. And um, uh, I had a friend who, who was in um, uh, a leader, ironically, um, but a, a figurehead in our city in terms of anarchist thought, and he used to say to us, I know you're not, Christians aren't really Christian anarchists. I know you call yourself Christian anarchists, but you're cosmic monarchists and we're onto you. <laughs> and um, dear Ma, which was his name, uh, he had a point, like um, our point isn't that there, there isn't any rule, but that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord, yeah. And if we, it's the irony of a power that is crucifiable. Um, the, the weakness of God being stronger than any other strength. It's a punchline. Oh, so you're ruled by someone who wields no power over others. Oh, so you're expecting this peaceful age that's going to come through what? Like a provocative peace? Oh, so you don't think it's going to come through excluding or counter violence or accommodating with violence or avoiding violence, but instead this provocative nonviolence, you know how that's going to end mm. on wood. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Berrigan, um, one of my heroes used to say, if you're going to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. Be ready to um, look good on wood. Yes. This holiness comes with real consequences. Um, John Dominic Crossan talks about, um, uh, for, um, for charity, you get canonization as in mm. you, you get to become a, a, a saint for justice. You get crucifixion. Mm. I think Marcus Borg is really onto something. Mm. If your holiness becomes a power, which is stronger than purity games, you will find yourself with all the wrong kind of people with no power and the only power you're left with is truth, unarmed truth and a compassion which rose Jesus from the grave. That's the power of God that is working in us. That's the power we see at work in Jesus's. And you ask like, is there anything I would want to say that I haven't said already? I mean, I can talk for years on, on this. Like I've so like, I'm almost tempted to go anyone listening to this, open up any page in the gospel and mm. ask yourself, how is Jesus confronting the politics of purity game holiness versus the holiness 
of mercy, compassion, or what Paul would often call love. Mm. But this isn't merely a feeling, it's a way of being. And if we're wondering what that way of being looks like, it looks like the mystery, which is the clouds of thickness um, and and darkness uh, around God Almighty. And you're like, oh, that sounds pretty safe. Like it sounds really spiritual. Um, which is righteousness and justice as the foundation of God's throne. Masingi is the reality Mm. of this foundation is a healing justice that we see in Jesus. And once we understand that Jesus, his radical mercy, confrontational compassion, that's our image of God. That's Mm. the image of God that is in us that we look for as we grow in likeness of God. And this is the image we seek to imitate and get caught up as we participate in what it is to be in Christ. The resurrection has started. God's future is here. It's not widely distributed yet, but here's the altar call. It can be distributed in you today. Stop playing purity politics games and instead welcome the compassion that is confrontational and transformational that God has for you in your life right now and live that with others, knowing that it's probably going to end like it did for Jesus, but trust in resurrection. That's that's all we got. That's that's the only gospel we got. Amen, amen, Jared. I feel like uh, I'll. I think we'll. I don't know if you have. I think you've said your parting shots, but for me, <laughs> the I'm not. <laughs> I will leave some time for uh, some of my friends here, who are here to uh, to ask questions. But I will. I will end the podcast. But I, one of the things I hope. Uh, for this is that this will be on Singi as well as inverse so that we can have as many people as possible listening to this conversation uh, because it's important. I think reframing, not reframing, framing holiness as it's meant to be framed is so important for us as a church. It is so important for us as movements of justice and uh, movements of faith. It is so important for us as a people who are seeking wholeness, because I think the disconnect right now is that this holiness does not cut it. What we know as holiness is not, is not, doesn't sit right with my soul. It has not sat right with my soul for so long. And so I am grateful for you, Jared. I'm grateful for your work. I'm grateful for your ministry, your wisdom. Um, I'm grateful for your vulnerability. Um, uh, and I love you, my brother. I, I, I thank you God. Too, I thank you. I thank the Justice Conference of 20, what, 18? That brought us together or 17, one of those. <laughs> we spend so much time together online. It feels like two decades ago. Yes, like- it does. It does. So thank you. And to all that are listening to us, please listen to, to um, Singy Talks podcast and also listen to Inverse podcast. Join our communities. Let's let's have these conversations together. Let's, let's be holy together. Amen. 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 Hey, Carol, and, uh, may I leave people with a benediction? Yes, please. In light of what we're saying, I hope that no one can hear the word holy or holiness again without hearing the confrontational, transformational compassion 
of Jesus. Mm. So with that in mind, I want to, I want to simply call to mind the praises of the early church who lived such a costly love Mm. in hope that people would hear it and hear its beauty. Mm. Holy, holy, holy. is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And holy and worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Holy, holy, holy. Mm. Amen. (sighs) Amen. If you've been inspired challenged and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such remember to follow us on social media at Nsingi Trust share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast donations can be made through paypal msingikenya at gmail.com patreon at msingikenya or through mpesa plus 1760 Kwaherini and thank you for joining us.